Welcome to Hear Me Out, My Story, Podcast. A podcast about being gay and of a certain age. Each week, we deliver the best stories of gay life after 50. Now here's your host, Dean Kroll. Hi everyone. Welcome to episode 6 of my podcast, Hear Me Out, My Story. Sorry for the delay in getting this episode out. This is going to be the episode about sexual abuse and... Um, It's been tough. This one is probably maybe the last episode I have as far as, you know, bad stuff that's happened to me. And God, you must be thinking, oh my God, is there anything else that's happened to this guy? Um, How does he keep going? Is he, why is he still here? Um, You know, I asked myself that question a lot over the years. Um, What's my purpose? Why am I here? Where am I going? What am I doing? And, um, honestly, I don't know. Um, I think I just don't know how to quit. I don't know how to stop going forward. I don't know how to stop moving. And I've been told that I'm a strong person and that I'm a warrior and that if someone was in a fight, they would want me on their side because of how strong I am. And honestly, um, I don't feel that way a lot. I don't feel that I am strong. I don't feel that I am worthy of things still today. Um, so it's really hard uh, to, to uh, process all of that. Um, so, you know, I just sort of you know, put it away, or I say that I just keep uh, moving. I don't know how to stop. Um, I guess I take a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, life lessons from Disney movies, and the one that I keep with me now is um, just keep swimming, and that's from you know Finding Nemo, and uh, it's true. You don't know what's going on, but. I just keep moving forward. I just keep going. And hopefully one day this will all be made clear to me and everything will be uh, figured out. (laughs) Uh, Maybe uh, I'll know who I am and I'll know what's going on. But yeah, I wanted to talk uh, tonight about the sexual abuse that I went through as a child. Um... I think that from what I can remember, it it went for, I think I was about age 10 to 13. It went on for, you know, three years from what I can remember. And what I say about that is that, you know, the brain is a funny thing that it um, protects itself. And one way that it protects itself is that it blocks out. Um, memories and it blocks out bad stuff so that it isn't damaged and it can stay um, and be healed. Um, So there are some things that are missing for me. um, And I think that's part of what has happened. Um, I think like a lot of sexual abuse, you know, unfortunately it started with pornography. And of course at that time it was Playboy. (laughs) Not that I'm blaming the magazine. It just um, that's just kind of how it started. 
someone was showing me pictures of, of, you know, pictures in Playboy and basically said, you know, you, and I saw, you know, obviously I saw the centerfold and the pictures and I saw, okay, here's where it gets funny. I saw a vagina for the first time. And I just thought, well, that has got to be the most hideous, god-awful thing I have ever seen. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. Um, and this person said, you know, you put your thing and you put it in there. And I said, oh, no, I don't. <laughs> I knew then. I was like, no, no, I'm not going near that. Um, yeah, it just, I don't know why, why I said that, but I was like, oh no, 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 that's not happening. But, um, you know, that, that went on for a while and I still have a lot of guilt where that's concerned. And I, I think that those who are sexually abused hold on to that guilt for a long time. I I know that I was a child. I know that people who have been sexually abused their children. I know that children don't have the capacity to process adult experiences and adult emotions and adult feelings and things that are going on. And it's really tough because your body reacts a certain way and your, your body likes certain things, but your brain is not developed enough to understand what's going on or why this might be wrong or what you should even do. Um, obviously, my parents never, never talked to me about sex. Um, I didn't have any sort of sex education until fifth grade, and that was a little uh, film strip, Where Do Babies Come From? It was a cartoon. Um, and I say film strip because that's what it was. When you hear the, the bong, advance the slide, advance the frame, one, one frame. Um, so I have a lot of guilt. I still have guilt about this. And this was, I will say that, I'm not going to say who this was, but this was a family purse, family member. And um, I thought that I should trust this person. And I liked what was going on after a while. And, and even, I think when I got to 13, I even sort of looked forward to it. Um, I liked the attention. I liked feeling that someone paid attention to me or that wanted to be around me. Um, but then it stopped around that time, I think. And I think I was... I think I was really devastated by that. I, 13 was the first time I tried to kill myself. I had, th for three years, I had this, basically this physical relationship with somebody and liked it. Um, and then it was gone and I didn't know why it was gone. I knew that I wanted to feel good again. I knew that, um, I missed it and um, I was thrown back into the world of neglect, um, you know, with my family and I hated it. I hated myself. I hated my life. 
uh, I think at 13, I think we hate everything and everyone. But yeah, I was going to end my life because I thought, I guess this is maybe what a lot of preteens think is that nobody cares. Nobody's going to miss me. You know, I'll just end it and I'll be gone and then they won't care or maybe they will care. And the, but it'll be too late. I'll be gone. So, you know, that's when I, you know, try to kill myself. I don't know that it was really a good attempt because um, I failed, obviously. But, you know, I didn't have a really good idea of what to do at that time either. I mean, yes, there were guns in the house. Um, you know, I didn't even think about that kind of stuff. I had tried to climb out the window and it was three stories. Um, and I thought, if I go down head first, that'll break my neck. So I tried that, but um, I got stuck in the window because the window was a casement window. And the way that my dad put them in the house, he put them in horizontally, which is wrong. The casement window should have opened up like a book, but no, he had them open up like, uh, you know, like a, like a roof uh, so that they were horizontal anyway. And so that made them higher up on the wall. So I'm standing on a chair trying to climb out the window. I had the screen off. I'm trying to climb out the window and on my tippy toes on the chair while the chair kicks out and I get stuck in the window. The casement window is stuck, is on the back of my neck. And so I'm stuck. My chest is on the window frame. I'm hanging there. I can't get my head and neck off the window because the rest of my body is pulling me down. Um, but somehow I eventually, you know, wiggled my way out and uh, scraped the hell out of my neck, scraped the hell out of my chest. And um, thought, yeah, I'm not doing that again. So I kind of gave up on that. Um, so I, again, I you know, I, I thought about doing it. I'm not sure that it was a real attempt. I'm not sure that it was a real, you know, a real cry for help at the time. Because I never told anybody. Um, but then after that, I think the... I think the turmoil that I went through going back into this world of neglect started to cause a lot of other psychological trauma and a lot of psychological behaviors that started um, to manifest themselves in me over time. And one of them that can be considered a reckless behavior was I started shoplifting. And it started with small things like, oh, a pencil or you know, you know, this or that. Um, and I think, gosh, I think that went on for a long time. I think by the time I was, I think even in early high school, I was still shoplifting. I would, um, I would try to do more and more and more. And, um, I think in some way I wanted to get caught. I think that I wanted to be noticed again. I, I wanted to be, um, someone to pay attention to me. And I think I was doing it for that. It, it was a, a bit of a thrill, I think. And it, I think that's why I kept doing more and more and more. I think um, this was the this was back in the day when you could buy cassettes um, at those stores, and they were in those giant plastic containers. Well, 
um, I was, you know, I was skinny. I weighed, what, 120 pounds, and um, I could suck, you know, suck everything up under my ribs. So I could stick cassettes under my ribs in my pants, um, even in the plastic, um, and then have my coat. Nobody would know. Uh, I think the most I ever stole was five cassettes. I had three in my pants and one in each sleeve. And uh, I think that's the most I, I, I ever really stole. Um, but yeah, I uh, I got really good at it, and I'm not really I'm not really proud of that. Of, of course, this was before cameras, um, so I would you know I would have been caught. I'm sure if there had been cameras. Um, another thing I did, I think this was even before the shoplifting, maybe. I started having um, basically sleepwalking, but it was more more than sleepwalking. I would um, get up in the middle of the night and rearrange the furniture in my room. I would change my clothes and go back to bed. Um, and I, I know that I did things because obviously I would wake up in something that <laughs> different clothing or you know, things in my room would be moved from where I'd left them, you know, and sleep. And then, of course, you know, my mother's, I was above my parents' room. So they were saying, my mom would say things like, what were you doing last night? Moving, banging around up there, moving stuff around all night. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I wasn't, I don't know what I was doing. And so it just never, I don't know that that ever went anywhere either. Um, I think it stopped at one point. Um... But I think the biggest thing that has um, probably impacted me later in life is that because of the sexual abuse, I am able to disconnect my brain from sex. And by that, I mean I can disconnect the mental from the physical. So while I'm in the, in the act of having sex, I send my brain off uh, somewhere else, out of the room. Um, it goes... And it does other things um, so that I can, um, the body can do what it needs to do and the brain can go and protect itself. I think that's pretty typical. Um, but because of that, it's hard for you to work back to getting those two connected into a healthy relationship. I can keep um, sex, the physical sex, apart from the mental, which is the intimacy so combining sex and intimacy is something that I've struggled with because I can go through the act. Anyone can go through the sex act. Um, and I think a lot of guys still do. A lot of gay guys, I should say, still do um, because that's why I think there's so many hookups and why hookups are so prevalent is that we do separate the two. Um, I don't want to be like that. I want to, you know, I'm working on bringing, you know, those two parts together. It's, you know, I, I want to have those deeper emotional, mental connections with somebody that makes out the whole relationship, you know, the physical, the mental, um, the emotional, and the, you know, that whole thing works together because I think that's what takes sex to love. And, to me, sex is physical and love adds in the emotional and the phys uh, the emotional and the mental. 
So, you know, I, I need to work on combining those two together. Um, uh, and it is a work in progress. It's something that I, I, I do um, work on. I do think about, I, I you know, I have a, a great Facebook group that I belong to and uh, we have a monthly call and great group of guys. It's, it's all gay men. And we, uh, I, you know, every month there's a topic and we have discussions and I think it's great. And that's a good, a good way for me to uh, work on myself. Um, but I want to say, um, I was in college when I first came to realize that I had been sexually abused. Um, I was telling an older person, um, he was about 20 years older than me and I was, you know, sharing some information from my past. And he said that, he said, I'm not an expert. And he said, I don't. I don't pretend to be. He goes, but what you've just described to me sounds like sexual abuse. And I was shocked. I, I was like, what are you talking about? This, this isn't, no, this isn't what it was. This person liked me. This person wanted to be with me. And um, it was hard. It was hard to, to sort of come to that realization and like not even a week maybe after that um you know and this was the night or you know early 90s so oprah was still big and she was on tv every day and i don't know how i happened to catch this episode but she had an author on um who had written a book about sexual abuse of boys and at that time it was this sort of this new new topic and and he really was sort of one of the forefront writers about this and um you know, I, I kind of scribbled, my mom was in the room, so I was kind of scribbling notes down in the side of the chair that I was sitting in so that she didn't see me writing down the, the name of the book. And um, I worked at the bookstore on campus, so I went in to the trade book buyer. Um, great, 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 great woman. Her name was Missy. Well, that's what we called her. Her name, uh, I don't know if it was Michelle or Melissa, I don't know, but we called her Missy. And I asked her if she would order this book for me. And I gave her the, the title and the, the author. And she looked it up. And she said, yeah, she'd order it for me. And then she told me after she, you know, filled everything out and ordered the book. She said, um, she goes, I'm putting this under my name. She said, just so that it, when it comes in, it'll come in through the receiving department. She said, your name won't be on that. And then no one will know. And I, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think that the guys at the warehouse would see my name on that order and realize what I was reading or, or, or that there was a chance that I could be made fun of. But, but I think what she was doing was she was protecting me and she was keeping it confidential. So um, to this day, I'm grateful to her. She never said anything else to me about it, about the topic. Um, but I'm grateful that she was so nice and, and protected me. Um, and, you know, and of course, you know, I was telling, like I said, this other person, you know, not only about sexual abuse, but then about all the other things that went on in my family. And, and you know, he encouraged me, of course, to go to a professional and seek all of this, um, to deal with all of this abuse that I had gone through in my life. And, 
um, early, or even before I worked at the bookstore, I do remember that I had gone to the counseling center on campus and I met with the director. Um, his name was Alan Resnick, Dr. Resnick. Um, and he was a great, great guy. Um, he was also on the, at the time, he was also a volunteer fireman in, in the town. Um, but I would see him once a week on Thursdays and I would go in and I would blab. I would just blab for an hour. I spilled everything. I told him everything I could think of. All the dirty secrets. All the stuff in my head that I had been holding. And he would just sit there and he would ask me questions. Maybe one or two questions. Two or three questions. He smoked a pipe. He was there with his pipe. I mean, he just was like your stereotypical therapist you know like Freud but um I remember the one time I said to him I always approach this with people this way I would say I think I might be gay and he said to me so what if you are and I thought I don't know he goes it doesn't change you're still the person that you are um, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, you're not, you're not a terrible person because you might be gay. Um, and we talked about that and I think he really helped me a lot. And I even said to him one time, I said, you know, do you get tired of me coming in here and blabbing and just going on and on about these stories and about maybe being gay and this and that? And he said, no, he said, actually, I, I enjoy this because this is a very refreshing change for me because he said, Mostly what I, what I deal with is um, drugs and alcohol. And I thought, cool, <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I'm different and different is good and maybe I'll be okay with that. Um, so that was part of my therapy in college. The other thing that I, I did, um, I remember going through in college was that I had belonged to a, um, a campus group and it was a student run campus group um, and in that group, I had come in contact with two other people that had been sexually abused, um, a guy and a, and a woman. And I think there was a fourth person, but I can't quite remember that. Um, to this day, I'm still friends, um, you know, on Facebook with them and, and the, the woman who has this uncanny ability to tune in to me, to even today, even though she's two or three counties away from me, she'll message me and say, what, what's going on? And I'm like, darn it, <laughs> she's, she's on it. And um, so they were great. And that was really good to, to talk. We would meet um, occasionally and we would have, uh, we would talk about our abuse and we would talk about what happened. And it was really good to share that with people who one had a similar experience and two, you know, what they were never going to judge you. They were never going to say you should do this and you should do that. And, and, you know, you're wrong and da 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 and all this, all this stuff that, you know, people, your friends, you know, even though your friends try to help, um, you know, they try to give you advice and, and things and it's really not helpful. Um, it's really helpful when somebody just listens. I think that's the most helpful without judgment and just 
being there for the person. Um, but I was naive, I guess. I was so naive as a child, as a teenager, as a college student. Um, I think in a lot of ways I'm still naive. In a lot of ways I'm not. So maybe that's just who I am. But I do want to, um, I know this is not only an issue that is mine. Unfortunately, this happens a lot to a lot of people. So I want you to know that um, I'm here. If you want to message me uh, or, you know, post a message on the Facebook page for this um, podcast, please do that. Uh, or message me through Facebook if you want. And um, I'm glad, to, I'm very glad to talk to anybody or to listen to anybody. Um, you know, if you want to talk about your particular situation or or something that you went through, um, please know that I get it. <laughs> I really get it. I mean, after sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse, um, is there an abuse that I have not gone through in my life? If there is, I don't want it. I don't want any more. <laughs> um, I've had enough. And just keep swimming. Thanks, everyone.